What's up, everybody? Another edition of The Dumbest Timeline. And this week, we have an awesome guest, someone that I I feel like I've been doing broadcasting for a long time, but until I got to do a specific project with slash for this guest, I wasn't as confident in my skills. And then they gave me the opportunity to speak with not only a legend, but a captivating person who's obsessed with fitted caps as much as I am. Spike Lee. Folks, we have Laura Beeston on the show today. Woo-woo! Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> so we were talking, Laura, mm-hmm. and the, the internet is ablaze with the subject that we're going to be discussing, and it almost feels too crazy, but I would love to have you introduce the subject that we're going to discuss because I feel like you are one of the few people that could tackle this with me. That's very kind, and I am happy to give you the overview. A lot of folks are calling this the most chaotic week in the social media business in years. And of course, this is a large part to Twitter being sold to Elon Musk, who took the reins of the social media platform on October 27th. And... Since then, the billionaire basically has found himself in a standoff with advertisers. He announced massive layoffs of over 3,000 people via email. Um, And he sort of put into practice these pretty interesting revenue ideas like charging for verified users. So that's the famous blue check mark uh, that we all know and love that identifies sources who have been verified. Right. Um, Plus, there's like a mass exodus of the people who didn't get fired who are leaving just because the working conditions are such that they can't continue with the company. So it's been chaotic, to say the least. That's kind of a topo of everything that's been going down since the end of October. And on top of this, you know, the most recent thing is that Bloomberg is reporting that Twitter could go bankrupt because... Elon, of course, added billions of dollars of debt into the company's books with his purchase of the social media app. So that's what's up at Twitter. And (laughs) (laughs) it is, you know, this once a multi-billion dollar company that's kind of like unraveled in front of all of our eyes. Uh, It's on the brink of, you know, bankruptcy. And, you know, I just wanted to like make a caveat. It's really nice that you set me up like this, but I'm not an expert at all on social media. I'm just a Twitter user. I've been there for 12 years. Right. I love it. I right. like getting my headlines. I like getting new voices and perspectives on Twitter. Right. So I'm just sort of somebody who uses the platform and is just watching in horror as it like unravels before us. <laughs> and I feel like, I don't know if you remember this, but when you and I had our first, one of our first conversations, not a journalist, my other show before the yeah. first episode, we talked about media and journalism. And we talked about the fact that headline culture had adapted and changed and Twitter was one of the factors that led to kind of trying to deliver as much information in as few like using the economy word economy as much as possible to convey as much information and then unfortunately we saw that that got thwarted and and shifted into sensationalized headlines that kind of draw attention more so than deliver information and you know not just you but with a few other people I've had these conversations and some of them journalists where I said it felt like Twitter was 
has gone through these waves of being this really positive thing. This, like you mentioned, you know, positive movements, information exchanges, people having re- really amazing conversations about things going on in the world. But it's also led to this kind of weird shift in journalism at one point, at least with the trying to people who may not have had the same training as someone like you or other journalists, but are trying to do their own quote unquote version of journalism through Twitter where there's, and no one's fact checking them. And then when people started fact checking on Twitter, people started getting mad. (laughs) And I think SEO played a really big part of like the headline Mm. culture, you know, really for the clicks that that was obviously like the you know the aggregated headlines is also like a part of it absolutely i think twitter has become a communications and media juggernaut it's like one of these spaces where it's been so influential Mm -hmm. that the reason everyone is so shocked and can't look away from this the recent news of twitter is because it's become such an important tool for better or for worse yeah. And yeah, we find ourselves now in this moment where it's like, what's going to happen to it? Where are people going to go if it does go bankrupt? Time. I know I, I bumped into a friend. I, I'll, I'll give him a shout out. Shout out to David Hansbury. Oh, Hansbury. I, I believe I pronounced that properly. David, if I didn't, I apologize. And <laughs> him and I were talking about it this morning. He was telling me about Mastodon. He's telling me I told him about Blue Sky. He told me about tribal. There's a lot of apps that are trying to fill the gap between as there's that, like you mentioned, that mass exodus. I saw Marvel, Marvel Comics reopen their Tumblr for the first time in two years. Hey, that's a signal. Yeah. Like, and, and like you're saying, big companies are starting to look around because the base for Twitter is not necessarily the safest. And it, yeah. Also, you know, Meta just laid off. 11,000 people as well. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where everyone is sort of seeing a recession in the headlights ahead of us. And, you know, there was a huge hiring spree during the pandemic. And now this is like some sort of course correct. But yeah, I saw a comment, I forget who said it on Twitter that said, you know, this is there's never been a better time if someone wants to develop a social app or a social network. It's like, there is white space, there is open space. I was gonna say, isn't like, dumbest timeline aside because i still do believe we genuinely live in the dumbest timeline in a a timeline where and i i keep using this reference and i really i start the more i use it the more i think it's true these billionaires hoard wealth like dragons in fantasy come in fantasy stories they hoard it and they they lay over it like smog and if you try and take anything from them they get mad and watching all of them do this and like accumulate and pull in all these things and then you have these little upstart frodos running around being like i want to start something new and cool and i and i i think you're right i think this is one of the more interesting times because we haven't seen is it retention like what is the thing that they all have so far that controls or has everyone so addicted to it what why is it that they seem to just be able to do whatever they want and everyone just continues to only use those apps and other apps don't tend to grow. Because i that's the thing I i don't... Whenever I look at it, I'm always just like, what, whatever that spell is, because again, I like to think of it almost like magic. Whatever the spell is, it's starting to fade. And this is the time where the walls are weakening, the magical walls are weakening, and people are just like, oh my God, 
what if we could throw other the only problem though i'm seeing is it's this it's still the same group of people because jack dorsey is doing blue sky and like her tribal's another no offense to you guys but full offense it's just another white billionaire so <laughs> well, well i mean yeah, yeah. I, I think there's a couple of things going on here and the first is that these social media networks are n- are no longer upstarts. They're no longer right. unicorns. They've been around for a decade and a half almost. And I think that when you have a platform that's been used for over a decade, you have built up, I mean, it, social media looks like it's probably a very easy organization to run. But if you look mm-hmm. at the people who are leaving an exodus, it's like, you know, chief information security officer, chief privacy oh. officer, chief compliance officer, global head of safety, Global oh, head of oh. ad sales, you know, like there yeah. is a network, there's a lot going on behind the scenes that I think that maybe the public and like users like you and me maybe don't know about or can't appreciate yeah. until, you know, something like this comes along. But to your point, I think, and I didn't say this, I think I read about this in the Atlantic, but there is a structural problem in 2022 in mm-hmm. that you basically have the world's richest man who decides. In, in kind of on a whim, mm-hmm. kind of as a joke, kind of yeah. to be a troll, you yeah. know, to, he's going to buy this huge lever of communication, mm-hmm. you know, for globally hundreds of millions of people around the world and just like do whatever he wants with it. And we all kind of have no power to stop him. And except for the people who are trolling right now with the verified yeah. check list, right? You know, like yeah. that's how... I think the users are sort of uprising and, you know, showing that they don't like the direction that this is going in. But it is, you know, we are in this place where like billionaires can do whatever they want and they can swoop in on a tool, a communications tool like Twitter and kind of ruin it. Right. Like, and I just want to say too, you know, everything I'm saying, like, I hope fair comment. It's not something that hasn't been said elsewhere. So, I mean, I, I think it's very for everything that we're discussing. Again, this is just us the, like shooting the shit about this stuff because yeah. for me, like that's the point. The dumbest timeline is more a factor of opinion because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who don't consider this the dumb, dumbest timeline. They might think it's either one of the best. They're just like, things could be worse, but it's really nice. I live my best life. But I, if, if anything, if you're someone who's living in the world right now, looking at everything that's happening and you're just content with everything, you're definitely most likely in a position of privilege. And and, yeah. and I'm not going to try and break that Mm-mm. that facade for you. If you enjoy living in that space, then sometimes that's the best that people need to do for their mental health. And yeah. confronting it every day would only make them sad, depressed, and would make the world difficult to live in. So I'm not going to yeah. try and change that for them. And then there's, there's other- also, oh, sorry. Oh, I was no, just no. about to say that there's also, you know, people who are still attached to this idea that billionaires know best and billionaires right. Right. are visionaries right? and billionaires, you know, have all of these elevated ideas. Right. But we're seeing that billionaires can also be really bad managers yes. and billionaires you know, kind of acts in ways that are pretty damning indicaments of capitalism. Yeah. And, you know, they're, they can be out of their depth. They can be mediocre executives. They can be kind of bad yeah. at what they're doing, you know? And I think that what we've been seeing since October 27th has kind of like punctured um, 
yeah, this vision that we have about billionaire about billionaires. Pardon me. So, oh, you can say billionaires. That's billionaires. a new word, <laughs> and that's going to be the title of this episode. Yeah, billionaires is fantastic. I don't know if you meant to go there or if that I was didn't. a full on Freudian slip. But that was a Freudian slip, but you know. It, it is one of the most beautiful words I've heard. Anyways, yeah, sorry. the verification snafu too is like, for me as somebody who learned about the importance of fact checking and learned yeah. about the importance of, you know, reliable. seeking out trusted, reliable, yeah. verified sources is, you know, really heartbreaking. Like we are losing the war on misinformation right now. And I don't think this helps at all, you know? So I'm I'm not going to ask you to hypothesize about it, but I'm wondering, did he, like, when I looked at him, so I'm Elon. I go okay. in, and I'm a billionaire. I see that, first of all, I believe in freedom of speech, quote-unquote. This is something that he's always saying. You know, comedy is, is legal again, all this mentality that Twitter has become this space where people can't say whatever they want, which, by the way, just a quick reminder to anyone who's watching this, I'm going to look you straight in the camera, folks. Just a reminder, private companies are not spaces for free speech. They are giving you the space to, well, no, sorry, I shouldn't even say giving you. You are selling your information to them for access to the space to say whatever you want, but they still have the right to stop you because they are private entities mm -hmm. and they can do what they want with their, you've signed away the, the terms of service and all those agreements you're signing where they can, they tell you pretty much if you don't, and a lot of you don't read it. But if you did read it, you realize, hey, you can say things, but we can also take anything we want away from you. Also, you're giving us all this information for free and we let you come on here and you're going to be advertised to and you're going to be, you know, potentially played and forced into these little boxes as we try and figure out everything we can about you. And so just and it's interesting that you say that, too, because there was like, you know. He gave users a chance to get the blue check mark that was once re like you know reserved for verified accounts, yeah. and then revoked it yeah. when he realized that users were impersonating others and trolling him. Right. And then he announced that anybody who is impersonating another person on Twitter is, and not announcing that they're a parody account is, will be suspended. Meanwhile, you know <laughs> people are going ham on this blue check thing, and you yeah. know. Someone managed to wipe something like sixteen billion dollars off of like Eli Lilly's valuation by paying I was just to verify the parody account and then tweeting that insulin is going to be free. So it's like, I think that when we're signing up for these things and we're participating in these things, things are changing on a whim based oh on, and the user. The nice thing about this is that there it does show that the user base is influential in a way, yes. and they do have yes. a political play in this. But it's been it's been chaotic. It's been a chaotic but, week to follow all of this, and they are, are real world economic consequences yes. as well. Can you believe someone paid eight dollars for a check mark and wiped out billions of dollars from a company? And 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 the company's reaction was like they apologize for misinformation. And it's just and you know, not that I care that this company that's worth billions lost a couple billion because trust me it's not like they're going anywhere tomorrow they still have the market on the drug the, the the tweet was misinformation but it's this interesting thing of seeing misinformation used the other way because a lot of the times the public is affected by misinformation but this time it was one of the big billionaires that was affected yeah. by misinformation and 
I don't want to celebrate it because I don't like it when it's the other way. So the idea of celebrating something that's bad for me, but watching it flipped and I then laugh at them. A buddy of mine told me there's a German word for that, and I don't remember what it is. But Schadenfreude. Yes, that's so yeah, <laughs> right. What what it's like gaining pleasure from someone else's pain. Else's, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and yes, exactly. So my buddy said that, and I and I I realized like yeah, if I don't like it being done to me, I shouldn't enjoy watching it to them. But I do like that there are consequences when a company that is has for a long time has been doing you know charging insane amount for a drug that is needed for people to live mm -hmm. and profiting billions of dollars from it it took eight dollars to cut yeah. a huge swath of their wealth and that i know i'm not supposed to celebrate but god i get goosebumps thinking of yeah. how wonderful that is and that very much feels like a david and goliath moment of like and yeah that's you know this is what weirdly enough as much as i hate this whole situation this <laughs> is one of the few things where it feel like this is what we were hoping for. Like this yeah. is the type of thing where just a little bit of power. There's a lot of examples as well about, you know, big companies, oh, yeah. defense companies, yeah. former presidents are getting trolled. You know, yeah. it is Out one of those forward. things where I feel like the Twitter users are maybe one step ahead of the <laughs> CEO that's running it. Yeah. But it brings up a really interesting idea as well that I've been thinking about, which is, you know, what is Twitter's role in responsible communication and matters of public interest? Wrong. And, you know, by giving everyone sort of a pay to play verification status, mm -hmm. you know, that was discrediting scholars, mm -hmm. journalists. Mm -hmm people with expertise, government official accounts, all of these, you know, all of these <laughs> entities. Yeah. And it is kind of striking me as a little bit like anti-intellectual. Right. And, you know, that facts are kind of debased and that all of a sudden, you know, our grip on reality is even less gripped. Like, yeah, you yeah. know. We, we, we definitely started losing it because it, and the checkmark system definitely made, and I, I, I do weirdly, and I not to agree with him, but I do weirdly understand the idea of like, everyone should be equal is what he was trying to do. Yeah, but, but I not, mean, at the, at the same time, everybody's opinions aren't equal. If exactly. You're a subject matter expert. Right. You've been verified. Right. You're a reliable source of information. Right. Yeah. As soon as you discredit scholars, journalists, experts in intellectualism yeah. academia all this stuff you're kind of entering into like a little bit of fashy territory yeah where it's like we don't need that right now and you know there's no surprise as well that like hate speech and misinformation is shot up on the platform ever 500 percent yeah. increase of the n-word on the first day when you uh, took over brutal. 500 percent. i i remember telling someone that and brutal. and they were just like they they looked at me like, wait, what is even what does five hundred percent even look like? Because to yeah. say something is a hundred percent means that there was a number, an average use of the N word on the platform to begin with, and then to say that it was five times that on the first day, yeah. because and it, you know it, it, again it, it goes to things like it's just a sense of like oh it's just a power move you just get to say the words you want to say and there's no repercussions but then a lot of celebrities like especially black celebrities start saying well 
I mean, if dude, if if this, so I I'm a celebrity, I'm a doctor, I'm a professor, I'm a this, I'm an intellectual, I do all these things, I'm a person of color, I'm on this platform, I come here to for discourse, and now a bunch, everyone can get a check mark and everyone can use the n word, and this is what yeah. you wanted, like this is the platform you wanted to bring up, this is how you wanted to elevate and get more advertisers and create a quote unquote free space, yeah. For, and it's like, but that's not how that worked. You didn't create no. a, and, and it's sad. It's it's sad that this is what's what's happening to Twitter. And, and even when you said, because I, I hadn't really heard, I, th- I heard people laughing about the idea of it going bankrupt, but I didn't think it was like a serious thing. But then you said Bloomberg, which again, like you said, trusted sources, guys. It's in yeah. the news in some cases. Um, yeah, the idea that it could go bankrupt is crazy to me because. Of course, yeah. And this, I mean, one thing we haven't talked about yet <clears throat> too much in depth is mm. about advertisers, yes, which are sorry, yes, let's, let's you know that. bankrolling the the platform. Yeah, and you know their new CEO is kind of telling them to hold on, mm. although all advertising spending has been like lots has been not maybe not all but lots has been frozen. Yeah, because you know advertisers are worried about hate speech and misinformation just as much as we are. Right, they don't want you know multinational brands don't want their ads to be you know appearing next to hate speech and misinformation right so this backfired so much and (laughs) let's point out real quick and i I believe multinational companies don't want to be associated with that because it's it's a bad look for them now yeah for whatever reason in a horrible in the darker timeline way, way far away from this dumbest one we live in if they could make a profit off of being next to hate speech, I would dare say they'd probably stick around with it. But, you know, we live in the dumbest timeline. And and in that timeline, thankfully, there's still a modicum of respect for people. And in which case, they're like, we can't, you, Coca-Cola can't advertise, even though Coca-Cola is out there destroying the world in other ways. But Coca-Cola dare not be next to the N-word or yeah. misogyny or, you know, all these other horrible things. Because yeah. We have another bad image that we have to try and <laughs> tamper down. So we can. Right. Yeah. And I do think, you know, it is it is one of those things where, yeah, the pressure is coming from advertisers, mm. the pressure yeah. coming bottom up from users. And yeah. then there's also this third party who want nothing to do with it, which are the people who are left within Twitter who are leaving on yeah. mass right now after the three, more than like Three thirty-seven hundred people got laid off via email, right. and the ones who stayed are like, "This is crazy. I'm getting out of here." Yeah. And then you know they're trying to call people back in, but you know the other problem say, is you who wants to that. work with yeah. this yeah. company now? You know, it's it's a really wild time, but I I think all this pressure is ultimately good because it is sort of demonstrating hopefully to the top brass at Twitter that people do care about expertise mm-hmm. and responsible communication mm-hmm. and that they don't want to backslide into fascism and racism mm-hmm. and all of this other horrible stuff that's going on. They care about their privacy and yeah. their security. Yeah. And I mean, I think that you said something really interesting too about Twitter's relevance culturally and politically you mm-hmm. know people are going here for the discourse and it's really sad yeah. to me that there's so many communities that have developed over twitter 
that I would have never had, you know, access to or been able oh. to read about or been able to be taught by. Yeah. Had it not been for the platform. So I'm really also well, mourning that side of it, you know, the community of it. You know, black thing. Twitter is amazing. Yeah. Like, well, like crazy thing for me as a as a black man growing up in Canada in Quebec, I've had limited access to black culture on a global scale. And black Twitter was one of the first places where I felt I could connect with a community that understood me in ways that I never felt understood living in Quebec. So totally. it, it, it's, it has always been important to me to black Twitter, black nerd spaces on Facebook. Those spaces are so such a weird thing for me because I didn't grow up with them. I didn't grow up in them. But funny enough, I go on Black Twitter at Thanksgiving and there's all these memes about the the, the plates and the serving and all, all the food and the culture around it. And I, I've seen stuff like that. Like my family, when I would go visit my godmother, rest in peace in Toronto, and we would have all her family and all these cousins come over. And, you know, in Canada, in Toronto, I had a similar experience there doing those things as people in Baltimore or people in Alabama or people on the West coast and it's it, it, in the Bay area. And I always felt so happy to know like, Oh, these are like, and in some cases, even the UK, these are like national and international it, it, like feelings and international situations and moments that we're all having where, you know, the, the memes about your, the, 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 your cousin you haven't seen in a long time comes through with the, with like the weed. And I'm just like, I don't smoke weed, but I've had, family gatherings where you can tell like okay these cousins are high and like when, yeah. they say, when they say they're going to the park for a walk and they come back and you're just you're, you and I'm like laughing about this stuff I'm like yeah this is stuff that has happened to me and I didn't know that it was a thing that I would discover or feel finally connected to until mm -hmm. I had these interactions on this space and you know as much as I laugh about how Twitter is falling apart you're right this cultural aspect of what Elon in his weird and like you said it before i don't know if you said it during this but you said it before we went on air this hubris of yeah. i'm so i'm so important as a billionaire and i because i'm a billionaire and maybe it also tricks them into thinking for the, that they are smarter than everybody because they figured out the equation to hoard wealth and it's like you figured out how to get wealthy okay that doesn't necessarily mean you're the smartest person in the room it mm. means for someone who figured out that specific equation in that situation and, and that... had a lot of family help like let's oh, say yes. like you know it's not like Please. i mean this yeah. is like aren't we talking about someone who i don't know his background but it has something to do with emerald mining like it's, yes you there know was this is like family. generational wealth. right yeah and i agree too that this <clears throat> pardon me also goes back to this idea of disdain for expertise Mm. Right. If you think you're the smartest person in the room, if you right. think you are the subject knowledge expert on everything, mm -hmm. then of course things are going to crash and burn because obviously you're not. The smartest people in the world know that they have more to learn and they know that they need to set up their companies with smarter people than yes. them around them yes. in order to be successful. And yeah, I think, you know, you can be a billionaire, but a really bad manager. I yeah. said that already, but yeah. I think it's worth repeating. No, no, it's um, a great point. And, you know, I also want to jump back to this community aspect because mm. I'm also very happy with the way that users are objecting to 
how this is all going down. But you, you know, you're talking about Black Twitter, but I'm thinking even more recently about like the folks who have been mobilizing on long COVID, mm. medical Twitter, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, even like, you know, on police brutality, yep. like there's been a lot of abolition stuff, like education and awareness building and con consciousness raising that's yeah. happened on Twitter. And especially for people who are outside those circles or those activist spaces or who don't know about, you know, abolitionism or, you know, defunding the police or whatever, or long COVID because yeah. there's no information that's being public and like public health about sort of the effects of long COVID. And verified accounts were discussing these things. Exactly. So now, safe. You, you know, if this crashes, there is going to be a need for a new venue to organize, yeah. agitate, raise awareness, educate, all this stuff. And it's like Twitter is so embedded in our culture and in mm -hmm. cultures, multiple cultures that like for it to go away without something else, I don't know. I feel like that's going to be impactful yeah. and there yeah. will be a vacuum. And yeah. I definitely trust users and, you know, folks in these communities are going to find new spaces, but it is a event. Like it is a venue yeah. that I think, you know, if it goes away because of a bunch of terrible decisions that were made in a span of two weeks, <laughs> like that is pretty, that's a pretty big deal. Um, so I don't know. I feel that for people who use Twitter, even like me passively, you know, just to just to get a sense of what is being said outside of, you know, media circles or outside mm -hmm. of my my usual suspects, you know, yeah. it, it is a big loss. I'm going to miss Twitter if yeah. it used to go downhill. And it's, so, one of, it's one of the only platforms that I've ever scene where it mentioning when someone says i'm a twitter user you don't get that sense of their age also i feel like mm -hmm. it's the only social media where because like, when someone says oh you know i did that on facebook you're like okay you're older someone says tiktok you're younger someone says instagram esque maybe yeah. a little younger but twitter is one of those ones where i feel like it's the whole spectrum all ages are on twitter or yeah. at least that's how it appears to me. I could be wrong. Once again, uh, this is the dumbest timeline and we don't need to be experts to have a fun and interesting opinion. And if you yeah. don't necessarily agree with us, join us on social media and talk to us and hopefully we'll still be on Twitter. But, um, yeah. but yeah. The other thing I just want to say before we leave is that, yep. you know, we had 11,000 people that were laid off of Meta. Yeah. 3,700 people are laid off of Twitter. Yeah. And you've got all of this talent that yeah. now is circulating that knows the secret sauce that <laughs> like understands how these applications work. So, I mean, my hope is that perhaps there will be some sort of decentralized, especially with web three that's coming in and people mm -hmm. are like really rethinking how we use the internet that hopefully there will be some sort of development in yeah. a way that isn't top down and isn't sort of at the whims of, you know, billionaires where it could be something that's maybe more grassroots and community right. and bottom up. And yeah. I don't know what that looks like yet. There are like a lot more smart people or smarter people than I who have just been laid off who can probably yeah, figure yeah. that out. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I'm 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 really hopeful that, you know, some if this thing goes down in a fiery <laughs> <laughs> Blaze, you know, Lord. chaotic yeah. uh <laughs> 
like in a car crash we oh, can't no. run away from. Like hopefully, you know, some you know, something else, another model will eventually present itself by necessity. Yeah. Um or by community, you yeah. know, which which actually would maybe be the best thing ever because that is what kept Twitter so relevant and amazing for so long was all the community. So yeah. I'm hopeful. Hopeful. Bring right now, it's like what the <laughs> <hell is laughs> Again, Maybe. it's not always. It's not necessarily that we want to watch the the car crash. We don't even. No. We don't even want the car crash. But it very much feels like it's happening. You're seeing the driver lose control. You're seeing all the parts in the car start to like fall to the wayside, uh -huh. and you're just like by the sheer acts of the gods on high, whoever they may be, whoever you believe in, please save it because the driver might not be the smartest, but that car doesn't deserve to get destroyed. And that's how I feel about Twitter. Yeah, that's good. And you yeah. know what? I also think that when something is collapsing, you know, you got to mourn it, but yeah. then you got to rebuild. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, or it something fades away, something else comes through and Always. change is the only constant. So I'm, I'm like looking at this with just... I mean, part of it is entertainment value. Part of it is like also a cultural or community yeah. sort of, you know, global thing. But I, yeah, I'm very curious. I'm a very curious and hopeful about yeah. where we're going next. A so fun unifying conversation is being had around the world. Laura, yeah. where can people find you on social media and check out your stuff? Oh, man, I would say Twitter, but <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things where all I'm doing lately is retweeting on Twitter. I like stopped using it like super actively. So probably yeah. LinkedIn. I mean, I'm kind of stepping back and just observing at the moment, right, but I right. guess if you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter at Laura right. Houston. Perfect. <laughs> Folks, as always, I say this at the end of every episode, we do not live in the darkest time, just the dumbest one, but that doesn't mean we can't hope and aim for better. And hopefully you all have a wonderful day. Thank you for tuning in to another edition. We'll be back soon.